Let me start with this. True or false, it takes discipline to get anywhere in life. Yes? Okay. That was an easy one. Um, I start out with those on my test because then that kind of like gets the hopes up for the students. Like, <laughs> I got this. Build some confidence. Maybe not gets the hope up. Build some confidence in the students. Okay, so I got the first one right. All right. But uh, next question, let me ask you this. It's not a true and false. This is the short answer. That's the ones they hate. Like, oh, that's a big blank. I got to fill that whole thing. Uh, the next question that I have for you is, can you give me a personal example of something specific, like something specific in your life where you needed discipline to get to wherever you were trying to get to or achieve what you were ever attempting to achieve? Grace, <laughs> I'm calling on you for a reason. Okay, very good. Okay, she's falling where? All right, so tell me how discipline uh, helped in that and what did it actually look like? Okay, um, well, I was supposed to practice a lot at college, which didn't happen because I had chronic health issues. Okay, all right. But if I had practiced more, I would have been a better pianist. Okay, so there was an aspect of training that was needed, and uh, you never felt like Probably a lot of those of you that have trained for something, whether it's something physically, athletics, or sports, or um, a skill, or whatever. I don't know that any of us ever think, like, I've trained enough. Or it's very rare. Like, I've trained enough for this. Like, even studying for the test. I study and I put in the work, but I never study enough for it. Maybe some of you, you were overstudiers and you studied too much for it. I don't know. You had a lot of discipline. Uh, you can leave if you want. Um, but maybe you had a lot of discipline, but for a lot of us, probably in a lot of things, we're like, I, I didn't train enough for it, or I, I didn't. What else was required in connection to discipline in that area for you? Anybody else? Something else? Yes, Mr. Brundage? Well, my son has told me this, that to actually reach a, a true discipline to master it, it takes 10,000 hmm? hours of practice. So. You know, those things are repetitive, so a lot of times consistency and repetition is necessary to, to master So there is a time element that goes along with it as well, right? Um, let me go ahead and kind of beyond the, the time and then also the, the repetitions or the training that goes into it. Are there times where you tell yourself, I can't do these things because I need to do these things in order to get better at this? Yes. And then on the reverse side of that, I have to do these things in order to get better at this, so I need to devote time to doing these things. And here's my point with all of this. When we talk about discipline, I don't want you to think of just like training. But I also don't want you to think of like, I have to deny myself. Or I have to do these things. Or I have to just put in the time. It's multifaceted, right? So I want you to kind of keep that in your mind as now we go forward here. Here's one of the things that's kind of difficult where we always hear the illustration kind of breaks down with us talking about things other than spiritual discipline because when we talk about discipline in uh, playing a, a musical instrument or training for a, a marathon or sports or something like that, the fact of the matter is, is that you can, there are some innate things in people sometimes that give them the advantage. Right? You think about like the athlete who was just born bigger or stronger, well of course that's going to benefit them better in, a, in certain sports. Or the, the perfect person who's born with kind of the perfect pitch has the advantage with music. Or the person who just like an eye for perspective and kind of has the advantage for art. So while those people may have a slight advantage over some of the others, and as a result, we may have to work harder at it, 
the thing that I think we can all agree on is when it comes to spiritual matters, there's nothing innate where somebody has the advantage. There was only one person that was born with the advantage, and you are not him. <laughs> right? As a matter of fact, what does the Bible say about us when we were born? There is none righteous. No, not one. And so there's this even playing field that we all start on. And so that's kind of our, our basis here going forward. And because of that, it can be argued then that since none of us has any kind of sort of innate advantage there, discipline is even more important to our spiritual growth. And the author puts it this, this way. It, it's so important um, that, that he mentions it several times. He repeats it several times in the book. And then he also emphasizes it. He says, discipline is everything. Discipline is everything. Now, when I asked you a few minutes ago about what discipline looked like in, in your life, there were those common themes, you know, of training. Um, I do things. I don't do other things. Go ahead, and if you would, turn to 1 Timothy 4, 7, and 10. There are other passages that talk about discipline and that teach about discipline, but I want to look at this one. This is going to form kind of the basis for everything else that we talk about in this series that we're doing here. That verse says, but refuse profane and old wives' fables and exercise or train thyself rather unto godliness. The Greek word that's used there for train is gumnazo. It's the word that we get our English word gymnasium from. But there's really more to it than that. That word train that's used and the Greek word there actually refers to exercising naked. And if you think back about ancient Greece, and the Greek games that were played, their athletes, they, they didn't wear anything. They didn't want anything hindering them in the race. And just like those athletes in our spiritual lives, we must get rid of every habit, association, and any kind of tendency that keeps us from running the race in our spiritual walk and in our spiritual race. And uh, you think about the writer of Hebrews, uh, maybe a verse you want to write down, Hebrews 12, 1 familiar passage, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. So this biblical call to discipline demands that we lay aside or throw off those things that hinder us from running the race that God has placed us in in this life. But there's more than, to it than just laying aside those things. That's the we don't do these things aspect that we were referring to. So while it is important for us to lay aside things that are going to slow us down in our spiritual life, there is a second aspect to it that I want you to look at. Look down at verse number 10. It says, for therefore we both labor and suffer reproach. Another translation says it this way. It says, for this end, for to this end, we toil and strive. Toil there means strenuous work, if you want to write down something. Strenuous work. Uh, those of you that have trained for something, especially in athletics, know that when you train, there's not only time spent, there's also physical effort. But when you get to the higher levels, there's also this mental aspect that's as equally as important. Um, probably those of you that have run before. Um, I've never done this. I have no aspirations of doing this. I'm not going to do this. I know you should never say never, but I guarantee you, I promise, on my life, I will never run a marathon. <laughs> never. And it's not just the physical effort that goes into it. Probably those of you that have run longer distances, 
when you first started running that longer distance, at some point your mind says to your body, we're done. And if you talk to a runner, the runner will tell you when the mind says to the body, you're done, what does the mature mind say to the we're done mind? <laughs> no, you're not. And the legs just keep going. And there is this almost like mental war, mental effort that goes into it that is almost as more because you can do more with your body than you think that you can. It's overcoming the mental hurdle. And the point of that is, is that that mental effort is almost as hard as the other stuff that goes into it. Isn't that also oftentimes those of you that are older in the faith and have gone through stuff, faith with our spiritual lives as well? I can get up and like go through the walk and through the effort of parenting or of doing my job or of preaching or whatever, but like really engaging and kind of going that next level, next level with my spiritual walk or that requires some like mental effort that I need to have and the discipline that I need to have to achieve that. So my point, I want you to understand there are different aspects of this toil for that are important for us to have spiritual discipline. Sanctification, which is what we're, we're ultimately kind of our goal here is all of this. It's not just discipline for discipline's sake, but like our sanctification is not a passive process. It requires time, and depending on what God has us do, it often uh, will require physical effort, but it also requires mental effort as well. So there's going to need to be some intentionality for us both laying aside some things and also working hard towards doing other things. Now, before I go on any, any further with this, anytime that you start talking about discipline and getting into the specifics of what being discipline, di discipline practically looks like, I think that it's important for us to at least mention what our motivation should be behind this kind of living. At no point do I want to give the impression that this is some cleaned up version of legalism. As a matter of fact, legalism and what we're talking about, they, they go contrary to one another. If you think about what legalism is, legalism at the heart of it is really a self-centeredness. I do this so that I can achieve some sort of status or so that I can get favor with God or I can be seen as being right amongst other people. That's totally contrary to what we're talking about here. What we're referring to here is I do these things because I love God, because I want to serve God, because ultimately I want to please Him. I want to be a good steward of the things that God has given to me, whether that is my health, my time, my skills, my talents, the people that He's put in place uh, under me, my children, my wife, my whatever. I want to be a good steward of those things, so I live a disciplined life in order to do that to please Him. So, this is, a, this is a, a correct view of why we're doing this, but further and more importantly, I believe, this is a call to be disciplined, and it is a call that is a divine call, and it is an individual call. And here's something that I think is important for us to think about. Your divine call to live a disciplined life, yes, it affects you, but it also affects those who are around you. And if you aren't living a disciplined life, you aren't the only one that is, the, the consequences aren't just with you. They're going to affect those who are around you. Look back at 1 Timothy 4. I want to look at verse 7 again and then go into verse number 8. Verse 7 and 8 say, Exercise thyself rather unto godliness, for bodily exercise profiteth little, 
but godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. Here's a quote from the book. It says, whether or not we have disciplined ourselves will make a huge difference in this life. We are all members of one another, and we are each either elevated or depressed by the inner lives of one another. Some of us affect others like a joyous tide, lifting them upward. But some of us are like the undertoes to the body of Christ. If you are married, the pressure or lack of spiritual discipline can serve to sanctify or damn your children and your grandchildren. Spiritual discipline, therefore, holds huge promise for this present life. As for this life to come, spiritual discipline builds the enduring architecture of one's soul on the foundation of Christ, gold, silver, and precious stones that will survive the fires of judgment and remain a monument to Christ for eternity. My actions and my discipline or my lack thereof can affect not only myself and not only myself in this life, but also in the age to come, but it's also going to affect those who are around me. So one last thing here uh, as we talk about this. Um, at some point in the next month, as you, if you come back, if you decide to come back, there's going to probably be something that I say, or more importantly, like the book says that I'm just repeating to you, that, uh, that maybe causes you to stiffen inside. Because any time that we as humans are told what we should do or what we shouldn't do, we don't like that. Um, especially if it goes contrary to something that we like to do or something that's a habit that's in our lives already. And uh, you have to think about the fact of the matter is, is that um, while you may feel restrained when God tells you to do something or not do something, the fact of the matter is, is that living a disciplined life is actually very freeing. And if that sounds counterintuitive to you, uh, they're gonna, God's going to tell me or somebody's going to tell me the way that I should live, and that doesn't sound very freeing to me. Think about the Christian life itself. A lot of the Christian life and the way that God talks about how we should operate and what we should do. Listen, though, to in the context of what we're talking about here. Listen to Jesus' words, another familiar but maybe something you want to think about through this week. Matthew 11. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So let me get this straight. I'm going to have somebody else tell me what to do, but that's going to be something that is easy and light. Yes, it's going to be. There are times that are going to be difficult, but those of you who have done things the way that you want to do them are difficult things that result of some of those things as well. Yes. Right. So the question is, will you answer Christ's call? Will you enter the gymnasium of divine discipline? Will you strip away things that are holding you back? And will you discipline yourself through the power of the Holy Spirit? I'm sure that there is uh, in the disciplines of a godly woman, there is also this at the end. But one of the things that I like about each of the chapters in this book is that there's a section at the end of it that's called Food for Thought. And it's got a lot of different things in it, one of which are questions. And some of those questions I'm going to ask you right now. So let me ask you this first one here. And this is where no cheating or looking at somebody else's paper because it may be something that's kind of private here. But I want you to do something with this. First one, is there anything that came to mind in your life as we talked about this? that's holding you back either in your walk with God or in the responsibilities that God's called you to. You're like, no, but as I thought there, I thought about my wife and about all the things that she needs to hold back. Okay, we'll talk about other people in a minute here. Right now, you. Is there anything that's holding you back? Be honest with yourself. 
Some of you, you're too honest. I don't need you to write down 25 things. Like, just write down like one or two things. This is kind of part B with it. And I think this is important for us to ask and to be a little bit introspective about things. Why are you hanging on to those things? And then this is going to take it to the next level. What is or what do you foresee the result being if there isn't a laying aside of that thing? Or even a start of doing that thing. I need to start doing these things. You think about it just like a runner who decides to wear their uh, baggy warm-up suit to the race and uh, carry their keys in their pocket or their room key in their pocket and uh, they don't want to change into their running shoes. They just rather wear the, the training boots that they had uh, coming to the race. Does that person have any shot of winning the race? Is there anything like that that's either holding you back? And let me kind of again take it to the next level of what we talked about. What's the result? What, what do you foresee that being the long-term result? Either for yourself, for your children, while you're thinking about that and finishing that up, I understand that some of you, like you, you have thought about this kind of thing. Um, I would say that especially for young people, because I've heard it said to me when I was younger and now I'm saying it to other people. Young people do things without thinking of the consequences. And if you say, have you thought about the consequences? They think, uh, I don't want to think about that. I'm just going to do it and live with whatever the consequences are. Okay, fine, if you eat cheeseburgers and you're 18 years old, you can get away with it, you may get an upset stomach, you may gain a few pounds, whatever. Some of you, you're realizing now, you're like 25, I used to do that, no, I can't do that. But like, that's one thing if you're eating cheeseburgers. We're talking about our spiritual lives here. This is a much more gravity, holds much more weight and gravity than cheeseburgers. Now, some of you, you may be thinking like, I got this. Okay, fine. How can we communicate this to our children, to our grandchildren? That's the biggest thing that I'm seeing with the college-age kids. They are making decisions without thinking about the consequences. We need to talk to them about thinking about those consequences. That's as big a part of just being disciplined or not being disciplined. What are the long-term effects of this going to be? There's an action portion to this. I'm sure you've heard the old adage before, uh, if it was easy, everyone would do it. And uh, I think we all understand that discipline comes at a cost. Uh, if you would, turn to 1 Corinthians 9, 25 through 27. Here's the cost that's mentioned here in 1 Corinthians 9, 25 through 27. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainty, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air. But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest by any means when I preach to others, I myself should be a castaway. For you, would, could, greater discipline, would greater discipline, or could greater discipline cost you in the area that you just wrote down? Could it cost you friends? Could it cost you time? Could it cost you spending more money? Could it cost you, what is it going to cost you? And the bigger question I have for you, and that I, I do want to kind of have some response with this, because I want you to hear from others, like maybe where they've, they've seen this happen, or um, just kind of us thinking about it. But why aren't people, why do you think people aren't willing to pay the price for greater discipline in their lives? Can you think of something specific? Don't just talk in like general cloud stuff. Like, tell me, wh where have you seen people say, I don't want to do that because it's going gonna, it's gonna to cost me a price? You've had people turn down the gospel. Okay. Something else? Yeah, Joel. Uh, there's always a tendency in, 
and men to not want to give up their lust mm. and discipline themselves out of habits because they fear what other people will when when people find out what they will think. Yeah. 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 It's good. Something else? Yeah, Christian. I think just that we have a flesh inside of us that's really powerful and um, what feels good to the flesh is not what is oh. right for the spirit. So it's just easy. It's just an easier path because of our flesh. So. Yeah. And that, I, I briefly mentioned it, but that's where we need the Spirit. This is not a, again, I hope you didn't just think, this is just, I discipline myself, I just do it, I do it. You just do it. It doesn't work like that. But it also doesn't work to the other side. Well, I just sit here in the Holy Spirit. Give me discipline. Like, there's not that either. There's a, look at the Christian life is a life of balance. And there is a balance between, I've got to have the Holy Spirit's help with this, otherwise it's not happening. There's an also, you need to do stuff too. We talked about that a few weeks ago, if you were here for the evening service, talking about like waiting. Waiting is not a process of me sitting there. I'm just waiting for the Holy Spirit to make things different here. Like your waiting involves your two feet moving. So doing some things or not doing some things. You're like, I just can't stop going through that McDonald's drive through line. Like stop driving your car through McDonald's drive through That's the first thing that you can do. Yeah, the, I think another reason people don't is because they don't ask the other question, which is how much will not having this yeah. discipline costs me. Right. And in, in the business world, we talk about cost-benefit analysis. You compare the cost and you compare the benefit. Mm-hmm. And theoretically, you should do whichever one adds up to more. Mm-hmm. Well, if you don't sit down and not only say, what will it cost me, but then truly believe it. Mm-hmm. You know, not just saying in my head, oh, well, it's going to be worse if I don't, mm-hmm. but actually acting like you realize that. Mm-hmm. When people don't do that, all they're going to see is the cost, and they aren't going to change mm-hmm. because they don't like the cost. Mm-hmm. Well, if the cost is an investment that will avoid a greater cost, mm-hmm. it's absolutely worth it. Right. But we don't we don't let our minds go there. Mm-hmm. We just stop at what's the bad part that I see now, the mm-hmm. part we think is bad, mm-hmm. and we don't go beyond mm-hmm. because of that. He said something that made me think about a conversation I had last night. Here's something I do think is important, especially for us, is working with children, younger children. Mine, as I said, are already young. I've got times where my kids will do something, and I'll say something to them. No, we don't do that. And I think it's just because it makes me feel a little bit better. But I will go on in a rant for about a minute or two minutes of telling them why it's not. And I understand that some people a long time said, when your kids are small, you just tell them that they should not do something, and that should be enough. I get it. I also think that there should be a, this is why we don't do this, and this is why. And I'm already trying to, I'm not patting myself on the back, but this is the one thing that I, I've just, the Lord's been think, just impressing upon me. I need to start telling them why we don't do these things and tell them how it affects their relationship with God. And I guarantee you, Blythe has no clue what I'm talking about. <laughs> and Barrett most of the time doesn't, although he's a lot smarter than I think he is. And eventually, I hope they grasp it. I think that's the kind of thing that Ian's talking about. Like, we need to start telling, whether it's kids or other people or ourselves, this is what's going to happen if I don't stop this. This is what's going to happen if I start doing this. Which of these things is most glorifying to God? Because if it's just discipline for the sake of being disciplined, you're disciplined. How many times have you're like, I'm going on that diet? And what happens after the three days? Some of you are like, what happens after three minutes? <laughs> okay, Like, I don't want to do this anymore. 
this is hard. This is takes more time. This takes more money. It takes me to go grocery shopping more. What I, I'm stopping. Grace. Um, so I think what I like in the, the, the word in the Bible is exercise. And mm. to me that correlates to practice. And one of the things that um, is hardest is just starting to practice. Sure. And kind of one of the things that I've been framing as I even parent Noel now is we're practicing yeah. learning how to go to sleep. Yeah. We're not going to get this. We might not get this, but if I don't start practicing with you now, yeah. then by the time we get to five years old and you're still wanting me to go to, you know, right. to help you go to bed, then it's a little too late, you know, and we'll have to start practicing then. So practice is essential because if you, even if you spend, you know, five to ten minutes practicing something or teaching or disciplining in a way that is understandable to those children, then it also kind of reflects back on you because there are times where I go, well, if I don't do this, like, if I don't cook today, mm-hmm. I will have to cook a whole lot more tomorrow, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. And so it's like, okay, we need to practice doing this first. And then it gets easier mm-hmm. and easier and easier. Yeah, I'm great. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. That's a great point. It may be something that you wrote down that you're like, I, I want to start changing, working on this now. Understand that once you start, wor- start working on that, you're going to mess up and you're going to fail along the way. But that's not, a, that's not a, well, this is over now. Just as in our sanctification or as getting better in a run and playing the piano. I hear somebody practice that over and over and over and they keep making mistakes and what's happening over time? There's fewer and fewer and fewer and fewer mistakes until you get it right, right? And it's the same thing with whether or not you're like, I need to stop spending so much time watching television or I need to start exercising or if you miss a day, so what? But that's not the end of it. I go back the next day and I I discipline, that's part of the discipline process. So whether it's you doing something disciplined in your life or with your kids or whatever, this is something that you're going to fail out. Man, I want to have family devotions every night. I haven't had family devotions in like, we've been busy with certain stuff and that kind of thing. I haven't had family devotions in about 10 days. But you know what? Sometimes I'll get it and I'll get it four days in a row and then I'll miss it again for five more. But I pick it up again. And so as God is working with us and is merciful for us, and, but he understands the process, we need to be having that same mentality with ourselves and with those who we're working with.